everyone. My name is Anthony. For those who don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here. I uh, thank God for being here. I want to say hello to all the campuses. Say hello to Edgewood. I have missed you. Thank you for your prayers. I had gone to Kenya for a funeral of my dad, and I thank you. I felt the prayers and the support. Just traveling around the world also was something last four weeks. The whole world had that fever of World Cup. I don't know, maybe people who don't care, but the whole world cared. <laughs> Every Christian, most Christians I met were rooting for Croatia. They say, yeah, I saw them praying and doing Bible study. And they rooted for Croatia. But they didn't win the last, the, the World Cup, sorry. So last four weeks, we've been looking at the Still Standing series. It's helping us appreciate the truths that God has given the church that we've stood on through the centuries till now. So we are here to say we just don't make these things up. It's not just what the culture tells us, not just what Hollywood says, not just our own opinions. We don't make them. They are truths, God, truths. They are strong foundations that has brought the church this far up to today that we are standing on. And to help us declare that, I want to invite all of us to stand here and all over the campuses. So let's stand and recite the Apostles' Creed together and let's do it like we mean it and like we believe it and that we will stand on them for the rest of our lives. So, here we go. Let's do it all together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered in the Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He descended into heaven. He seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, Forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. That's awesome. We are declaring that these truths are the, are the truths that the church stand on. We stand on the shoulders of giants of faith who have toiled and have walked and have labored until today. I think of men in the New Testament like Paul, who said, I am hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. And blessed, and I thank God to be standing here. I'm a regular guy who walked in the warehouse, just kept praying and serving. And now I'm here as one of the pastors. 
And I believe all of us, as long as we continue standing on these truths, God will continue using us. So I'm here because this, star, this church still stands on the truths that everyone from all kinds of nationalities are welcomed here. We stand together no matter what our economic status is. We stand together no matter what our cultural background, whatever accent you may have. I just recently, like I said, came from Kenya, and I was able to see one man just declare his stand on these truths when facing the greatest enemy of life. That's the enemy of death that we all face one day. And that man was my own father. He was never afraid to go meet Jesus. I know it's one thing to be in church walls and confess and stand and say, this is what we believe in. It's another thing when we are putting our faith to real work, when the rubber hits the road, where there's poverty, stress, disease, dysfunctional families, name it, and there bring what we say we believe in. But we are here to say these truths we stand on can withstand all these challenges of our lives. I don't know about you, but I don't believe these truths just because life has been easy. No, I stand on them no matter what. My father went in peace, extended grace and blessings to all of us, his family. His pastor came and said, this guy, this man was principled. He came to church. He gave. His boss, who's not a Christian, who's a rich man in Kenya, like an oligarch, came and said, this guy was loyal. He worked till 80. He was so loyal, and now I see why. He must have believed in this Jesus. And I'm grateful Grateful for what God did when I was there. We didn't always get along. But I declared I will stand on this God. I will declare him as my inheritance. And I will not fight over stuff. So my brothers and my sisters, I'm here to bury my father. But I won't fight about that piece of land. About that retirement money. Whatever differences we had, have it. I've seen now my father and mother go, but now I value relationships more than I ever did. They both build homes. Those homes are empty right now. And I just want to value relationships, and I extended that, and I said I will stand on Jesus and Jesus alone. And guess what? We came together. Nobody fought over stuff. And I see sometimes us believers, when these things happen, that's the time <laughs> You see where real faith is and what we value the most. And divisions come and grudges continue. So I praise God and I thank you for all those who prayed and supported me. So we stand on these truths that God has given us. And today we will look at three of these phrases that we say and one of those, the three of them are, he ascended 
into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. So today, let's look at he ascended into heaven. Last week, we heard from Jared. He did an awesome job and told us, we stand on the resurrected Jesus. Without the resurrection, we would not be here. Christ was not raised. Our preaching would be in vain. We know that Jesus is alive because his grave is empty. He's alive here in us and with us and with his church. I know he's alive in my own life. Because from age 22, I surrendered my life to him. Still remember that night, and I was debating with him, like, Jesus, are you real? Do you really know me? Do you know how much poverty I'm facing and how hopeless I feel? Can you deal with my addictions? Do you know how broken my family is? I said, yes. Distrust. And I did. And that burden of sin and guilt and shame left. That deep sense of peace has not left. If he was dead, I don't think I would have that. But he himself lives in us. And I thank God for him. Thank God that when he rose from the dead for 40 days, he appeared to his followers the disciples. God the Father raised him, and we know people saw him when he was ascending, when he was going up. So today we are looking at that ascend. And if today is your first time here, ascension may be like, really, you believe in that? I don't blame you if you don't. But you may be saying, are you really telling me this one man just rose up, boom, and went. I won't blame you if you had a hard, have a hard time with that. Do you really believe that, you may be asking? Maybe there was a concert going on and those ropes that people pulled them up. Maybe it was a circus. Are you sure he really went anywhere? No, I am sure because he's the son of God. When we say Jesus ascended into heaven, we are not saying heaven is up there somewhere, like you can just go beyond the cloud and see heaven. We are not talking about cosmology and how to find heaven on an astronomical map. No, these statements are just helping us believe what happened. They are symbolic. And just because they are symbolic doesn't mean it didn't really happen. It really did happen. It's a fact, and it's based on history. So you ask, maybe they just made up this story. Real people who followed him for years saw him ascending. These were not just any kind of people. They're not just gullible, easily to believe. There are guys like Thomas. I ain't going to believe. I don't care what you say. Until he touched 
where the holes had gone. She said, touch. Then when he touched and saw, he said, my God, my Lord, now I believe. His own friends, his best friend John had written about him, had documented saying what he had said before he said, before he ascended. He had said, one day I'm going. I'm going back. I'm ascending to my father. I came from the father into the world. And I'm leaving the world and I'm going back to the father. At another occasion after he had risen from the dead, he appeared to Mary at a garden and told Mary, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God who is also your God. So now you may ask why? Why would Jesus have to leave the earth if really we are supposed to believe him? Isn't that a bad strategy? Like, think about it. Why, why would God remove the star player, the main key witness of a resurrection on the man we're supposed to believe in? That's a bad strategy, you think? If he was in Palestine, you know, scientists would go prove and see these miracles. He'd be doing tours around the world and say, hey, say, check me out. I am God. So is this a bad strategy? But no. There are many reasons that Jesus had to go back to heaven. One reason is found in the same book written by his friend John. He said, Jesus had said, I will go so that I can send the advocate, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, who will be with you forever. And he is the spirit of truth. We also read about ascension in the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 8 to 11, when Jesus had said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you just stand there looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus told them that they will receive power, the Holy Spirit, to help them witness all over the world. This was going to happen only after Jesus had ascended into heaven because no one else but Jesus himself would be able to send his spirit. And after he was taken up, the disciples just stood there, we read, looking intently to the sky. 
Maybe they're thinking, please, please don't go. Don't do this again. We just got scared. You died and you came. I thought this time you're for real. You're staying. Don't go. And they're just there looking. They may be thinking, no, 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 he's coming back. I'm sure that cloud will open again. This drama is not over. He must be coming back. And they stood. Until the angels came. Hey, guys, dudes, hey, 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 we got work to do. We have a mission. Remember what he had said, going to Jerusalem and wait on the power. The Holy Spirit. Sometimes we're just sitting there. We've just been sitting in the church forever and ever. Take an angel to come and say, hey, we have work. We have real service. We are really on a mission. And he's here to empower us. Don't do it by yourself. I'm here to help you. Then they remembered everything they, he had said. And they went on to Jerusalem. So the language here about the cloud is symbolic, like I had already said. The writer just wants to explain that the physical presence of Jesus was replaced by his spiritual presence. This is not to deny the fact and the history of ascending. So we're not just spiritualizing. No, he did go and the spirit came. Jesus really ascended into heaven. And that phrase we have stood on forever until today. Ascending into heaven made his transcendence possible. He became humanly absent in order to be fully present in you and me. What are the benefits then of ascension? It's a big deal. One, Jesus' human body is in heaven right now. His human body entered into the existence of God. He will remain human being for all eternity. That means our human bodies are important to God. We are not like only the spirit matters, all the soul matters. One day we will be with him. We will see him like he is. Our bodies will connect with our spirits and we will be glorified and we will be where he is. Praise God. We also know what Paul is saying, that we were raised with Christ. We are seated with him in the heavenly realm. And that's what we declare when we see a baptism, that we are risen with him. And that's where our real identity comes from. We struggle so much today with self-esteem because we don't know our Christ's esteem. That we have died with him and we are reasoned with him. And that's where my real and your real identity stands. When we base our identity and our self-worth with our bodies, these earthly bodies change. When we think we are what we make and then we stop making it, we struggle with who we are. When we think we are how we dress and what we drive 
and where we live and all that changes our identity crisis. When we are grounded in the fact that we are risen with him, we are reigning with him, we have a strong foundation of our true identity of who you are and who I am. And that helps us stand whatever comes, disease and sickness, wealth and poverty, be stable in our identity with God. Another benefit of knowing this is that they began to worship Jesus as God. It's after he went. Then they started to pray in his name, to worship him as God. And we start to see really God is a trinity, three in one. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the church as we know it is founded on these truths. If Jesus did not ascend, all this would be empty. He is present. And his presence defines our present. The other benefit, Jesus is also a high priest in heaven. What does a priest do? A priest represents us to God. So he has a body. And he represents us and our human bodies and flesh and weakness before God. A prophet represents God to people. A priest represents people to God. And he's our high priest in the heavenly throne interceding for us, understanding everything you're going through, stress, your anxiety, you're losing somebody today. I don't know what you came in here, but I know he is praying for you. He knows you. You feel like you want to give up. He understands. And this helps us to have that confidence to pray in his name, to bombard heaven because He's right there for us. He's a high priest. Don't live the same way you came. Cry to him. He knows you and cares more than you know. Let's look at the second phrase. He sits at the right hand of the Father. We find these words on Psalms 110 that was written by King David. And it's the most quoted New Testament Old Testament scriptures on the New Testament. David was seeing beyond his days and was talking about another king, who is Jesus, who was sharing royal power with God the Father. And he wrote, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet. And the phrase on the right hand suggests sharing power. It's a declaration that all things are subject to Jesus. Sitting at the right hand means Jesus is in a position of a deputy regent. He's a person who acts in place of a ruler, a governor, a sovereign. Jesus ascended in heaven. And he rules from heaven. We worship Jesus who rules the universe. He's not absent from us, but he's powerfully present 
ruling all creation with God the Father. Just because he went doesn't mean he's less active. No, he is more active, more powerful. A prophet saw what happened behind the clouds. A prophet called Daniel in the Old Testament. And he said, in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, and that's Jesus. Coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the ancient of days, that's God, and he was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Amen. Daniel is seeing what's happening behind the cloud. The disciples are seeing the cloud from down here. Daniel is privileged with a dream to be up there. And he's seeing Jesus coming into heaven and him being enthroned into the heaven and being given authority over all the heavens and the earth. And this is why we read this in Matthew in what we call the Great Commission when he's saying, all authority in heaven on earth was given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. And nations here means ethnicities. Go to other people who don't always look like you. We go to all because Jesus is king over all. We just don't go where we have control. Or to people who look like me, he commands us to go to all ethnicities. So if this creed speaks the truth, that Jesus now lives on the right hand of the Father, then this requires obedience. Obedience to the one who presses upon every moment he encounters, encounters us in every area of our lives, and he calls us to account. Do we really believe that he has authority over heaven and earth? If we do, then why? Why do we live like we do? Why do we live like we really don't believe? We should obey him. We should make followers of him. We should go into all ethnicities. Like he's told us to. So is this phrase really believable or just a theory? Is he really king? We live in a culture that says everything is relative. Take this and refuse this and believe what you want. But this phrase gives us no options. It's telling us how the church has gotten where it is today. Jesus reigns. How? He reigns through us, his people. He reigns through the church. 
When you go, when you are here submitting to his word, he's reigning through his word. When you take your story, your testimony, your walk with Jesus in your workplace, you're sending his reign and his kingship to your workplace. When you make decisions based on your faith, when you're saying no to temptations, you're extending his reign. Maybe, maybe we need to stop just inviting people. And we need to start declaring that Jesus is king. He is king and guess what? One day, every knee shall bow. Whether you believe it or not. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is king. Amen. So this is not just a theory. Back in the second century, there was a man named Polycarp. He was a bishop of Smyrna. He had served God. And those days in Rome, Caesar was Lord. That's where we find the name Lord from. Everybody was to declare that Caesar is Lord. And the pressure and the, and the, and the persecution was, if you say it otherwise, you get killed. So they were pressing on Polycarp. Where do you stand? What are you going to say? He kept saying, Jesus is Lord. Until one time they took him, tied him around the woods, lit up a fire on him. So you're going to change now? He did not. The fire did not burn him. He stood on what he believed. The fire, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't get burnt. They didn't give up. They had to stab him to kill him. And he had said this, For 86 years I have been, I have been Jesus' servant. And he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? He had said, when people out there, people went to stadiums for fun of killing Christians. And he had written, celebrate all you want in the stadiums, but I will keep exalting Christ over Caesar and over Rome. This Polycarp was not going to hail Caesar at the cost of denying the singular lordship of Christ. And after a heated trial, Polycarp still defiantly proclaimed that he was an unwavering Christian. He wrote these words, Therefore, Therefore, mountain, prepare for action and serve God in fear and truth. Leave behind all those empty, meaningless talk and the errors of the crowds and believe in the one who raised Jesus from the dead and who gave Jesus all the glory and the throne at the right hand. This calls us 
He's called us to order our lives, our finances, our relationships, our ambitions, our hopes. From the most, the most important confession of the faith that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King. How do you do that? Be part of this community. Be part of a community that listens to his word. Join a group. Because Jesus said where two or three are gathered. I'm right there. I'm right there with them. Sign up to serve. Remember, you the one taking his kingship. Wherever you're serving. And whatever you are doing. Let's look at the third phrase. And he will come to judge the living and the dead. All sin and all wickedness will be judged when he comes. That's in the Bible. I know we are afraid to say those things today, but it's there. That's what we believe in. We're not supposed to be afraid. No, as long as you know that you know. And you really know that this Jesus connected with you and you are connected with him and wherever he would appear you would be with him then you have no worry about him coming to judge in 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 his place you'd be longing you'd be longing for fulfillment of a divine intimacy that we all long and we all have heaven in us we all know this is not it and we are waiting for a time when he's coming to fill everything with his presence. Yes, he is coming. We say Jesus is king. And one day his kingship will be really seen and really known when he comes back. He will be by might what he is by right, the king of heaven and earth. From now, for now, we really just want to be on his side. And we make that decision today and take chances. You don't want to wait. I'm not just trying to make you afraid now. It's what we stand on. Revelation speaks about this. And don't be afraid of the book of Revelations. 19, 11 through 21 depicts heaven standing open. And Jesus appearing like a mighty warrior ready to destroy his enemies. Revelation is also emphatic that Jesus' coming is imminent. And Jesus himself declares, I am coming. Problem is today we hear that. We want to look, put in our calendars. When exactly did he say he's coming? What time, what year, what are we going to be seeing in politics and all that? But he said, I am coming and I'm coming soon. But until then, we are called to be clothed in his righteousness, to take his free gift and to be busy, busy in his mission, watching in prayer, waiting in faithfulness, working hard for 
the kingdom until, until that day when the king returns from heaven. The same way the disciples saw him living. Amen. Let's pray. I want to pray for someone here today who really came here with big decisions to make. And you want to decide that this Jesus is king, whether it's your next career or it's the monies or it's your own life, but you're here and you feel this is the day God really wants me to make a stand. If you're not afraid, if you want to declare he's your king, just show me by hand. And I'll pray with you. I see those hands. Don't be afraid. Yes, I'll pray. And if you want later to come forward and somebody will be there for you. So let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your coming. And those hands and those believers who are here today are looking up to you. But for now, and what they need of, you will reveal your presence and guide them and minister to them in your love, in your kingship, in your presence. I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand together. Let's all just...